y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Fight Laugh Feast Network, Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the Water Boy, and our governor here in Idaho has us in on what, what we call a shelter in. Yeah, that's what right. He it. made a mistake and he said media is an essential company. So I got my media pass. We're in the studio. We're making it happen with Charlie Kirk on the line. We are, es- we are essential services. We are essential Absolutely. services to the state of Idaho, and we are glad to be here. Although, I, Gabe was a little excited when the governor's order came down yesterday. Ooh. He was like, hey, guys, let's break the law. And, I mean, you didn't quite say it like that. But I was just saying, you know, I don't know. And then we read the fine print, and media is allowed. Yeah. Television's allowed. So this is yeah. totally legal yep. in the state of Idaho. Hey, um, we are very grateful to have Mr. Charlie Kirk on the line. Charlie Kirk is the founder and president of Turning Point USA. I know those guys. A national student movement dedicated to promoting the principles of free markets, limited government. Charlie has appeared on CNBC, Fox News, and Fox Business News a few more times than the host of Cross Politic. He's an <laughs> editor-at-large at Newsweek, a regular columnist for FoxNews.com, Breitbart, Washington Times, The Hill, was named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Wow. Ooh. Charlie was also the youngest speaker at the 2016 Republican National Convention. Wow. And is the author of two books, in addition to his latest, The MAGA Doctrine, The Only Ideas That Will Win the Future. He's also the chairman of Students for Trump. In 2019, he's actually a doctorate now, guys. He's doc- oh, wow. Dr. Kurt. Charlie oh. was granted an honorary doctorate from Liberty University. He's also the co-founder of Liberty University's Falkirk Center. Yep. We were there yeah. just a few weeks ago. We interviewed Ryan. Ryan yep. Heffelbein. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie is a, has a mammoth social media presence. It's almost as big as the stimulus package. <laughs> but without the pork. <laughs> Charlie is also the host of the Charlie Kirk Show, where he talks modern culture and politics with his signature campus activism alongside interviews with some of the most influential people of our time. You can find out more about him at charliekirk.com. Charlie, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, who did you write this book the MAGA Doctrine, who did you write it for? Who's your intended audience? Yeah, a, a couple different audiences. First, I, I wrote the book because I was, as a Trump supporter and someone who uh, has got, you know, spent time with the first family during the campaign and kind of traveled the country during probably the greatest political upset in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I was kind of tired after a couple of years of the presidency of hearing from people who hated the president what the president believed. And I thought to myself, you don't know him. You've never spent time with him. Yeah. You have nothing but contempt for him, and you're intentionally misrepresenting him. And so I, I actually went and thought, went forward, and, and I said, who's actually articulating the doctrine and the philosophy of the Trump presidency? And I found that not too many people were actually doing that sort of work. And so the first, the, the first audience, a couple audiences I wrote this for, the first audience is for people that are fervent Trump supporters that know instinctively that the president is correct in his decision-making. They just don't know how to always articulate it. That's the first audience. Second audience is people that think Trump is doing a good job, but they might not be a fan of everything he's doing or might not be a fan of his style. And I hear that quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so, so I make the argument that in the book um, that his results far outweigh any sort of superficialities or reservations that individuals might have. Then the final uh, kind of person I write this for is someone who might be totally diametrically opposed to the president. And I just challenge them to be open-minded read the book and ask me, is America in a better place today than it was before he got inaugurated? And obviously I wrote it before this crisis and I think we're going to get through this crisis uh, stronger than we were before. Uh, and this was unexpected in every single way, yeah. but generally, you know, some of these successes have 
can remain strong despite uh, you know the current uh, challenge that we have. And so anyway, I, I that's why I wrote the book. It's been very successful, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about it. So thank so, you. So Charlie, um, actually, none of us voted for Trump. It's Dr. Kirk. Dr. Kirk. Yeah, yeah right. Um, none of us uh, voted for Trump in 2016 because, uh, I mean, I, 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 for me personally, I couldn't trust him. I, I He was unpredictable to me. Uh, and, but now I'm unless things change, I'm voting for him uh, in 2020. Why should people change their mind? Why should people like us change their minds? Yeah. So first of all, uh, totally respectable position. Uh, I did vote for him in 16. He wasn't my choice in the primary. I was never, never Trump. Um, but I right. was Cruz and then I was Trump and that's been obviously covered and documented. And then I, I went all in and, uh, so look, I, I love being able to chat with fellow believers. Um, I believe, you know, Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, Amen. laws of nature of nature's God, Bible, most important book ever to exist in the history of the world. It is the word of God. So first and foremost, we believe in natural rights. Natural rights are given from God, given by, from God, not from government. Right. We believe in the sovereignty of the individual, the sovereignty of those that, that can't protect themselves. So just let's talk about a couple issues that I think really matter to Christians. Yeah. That's obviously the, um, kind of the angle of this, uh, discussion, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's a moral travesty that there's 3000 abortions a day in our country. And I think that it's something that we don't have a discussion about often enough. Yep. That's a million abortions a year. That's a million lives that are terminated that never get a chance to live. Uh, we as Christians disagree with this, um, theologically and morally. And we should, uh, mm-hmm. most Christians, I should say some churches are outliers that I think making correct arguments there. This is the most pro-life president in American history. And, and look, I, I kind of get where you're coming from in 16. You're like, I don't know. He used to be pro-choice. I don't That's know right. what he's standing yeah. on that. That's right. But look, he's appointed Gorsuch Kavanaugh. He has uh, slashed funding from Planned Parenthood. He spoke at the March for Life. He rescinded the Mexico City policy. He's done stuff that even prior Republican Christian presidents didn't even do when it came to the fight for life. Yeah. Uh, religious liberty. He's done huge victories on the court. Uh, 210 circuit court judges. Uh, we, we're seeing it kind of play out right now. Wow. Yeah. Uh, kind of some of these activist judges going after religious liberty, telling churches what they have to believe and how they have to act um, in a different capacities. And so, yeah, th- those are just two very, really big things. Um, and especially when it comes to the Christian kind of worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we, we obviously as Christians admit that we're all imperfect vessels that can be called for a greater purpose. And the Bible is filled with those examples. Um, and the one that I, I use, quite often David is, is a is a frequent one that is used but the other one that I use is Samson I mean Samson's story there's nothing that I could talk about in Samson's story in a Sunday school uh, session yeah. with young kids right. I mean make them blush the, 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 or they yeah, won't even the, know the of the, <laughs> right the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson while he was in the bed of a prostitute right yeah uh, that's not exactly anything I could tell a fourth grader without kind of having to explain to <laughs> so too, too far into other explanations right right but samson samson was used for a specific purpose to fight the fight that god's chosen people were not necessarily ready to fight at that time literally killing a thousand philistines with the jaw of a donkey finally dying a sacrificial death to take down the enemies against god's chosen people yeah. with that all being said in hebrews um Samson's in the Hall of Faith, right, that famous right, yep. kind of passage. And we suspect Paul wrote Hebrews. We don't know for certain. He did. But when did. that letter yeah. was written, <laughs> depends, depends what you think about. Okay. Sure. Um, conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. I said that in my podcast once that Paul wrote Hebrews, and I got the nastiest, not nasty, but the most strongly worded letters from this 
very very opinionated theological group of saying, course we don't know and this and that oh my gosh never okay. again. Yeah. So that's why that at least sounds like him <laughs> yeah it flows similar sort of tonal yeah. uh, posture anyway point being is that in the hall of faith quote unquote samson was listed for a reason yeah. right and yeah. so i kind of tie that all together um and i i draw parallels between that samson was someone who was deeply flawed someone that was obviously living a life disobedient to God's commandments, um, but then was used for a very specific purpose to advance the kingdom and protect God, God's chosen people. Yeah. So, so Charlie, what is it? You know, you, man, you said a lot of interesting things. I have like 17 questions from just that last comment that you said. But what is it those things? What are those things? You said that Samson comes on and he's fighting for things that the people of God aren't fighting for. What are those things that you see right now that Trump's fighting for? And I guess your implication there would be like the church for the most part and even conservatives. What is it that you see Trump fighting for that maybe where we've dropped the ball at or where we're not fighting for or haven't been up until this point? Yeah, it's such a great question. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it's great. So look, we, we had Christian presidents before Trump that probably knew the Bible a lot better than him. Why didn't they speak at the March for Life? Mm. Because oh. they were afraid of they Ouch. they were afraid of what the New York Times and the Washington Post would say about them. Ouch! Like wow. they, 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 they were afraid. They never cut Planned Parenthood funding. They increased Planned Parenthood funding. Mm. And I know I'm focused on that life issue, but I think it's a pretty it's a pre, it's a non-starter. That's I, base I think, level. For a lot yeah. Of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so the church, in some ways has gone silent. Some churches are super active on the life issue, so I don't want to indict the entire Christian community. Yeah. But I do know other churches are kind of indifferent and, and or silent, or they kind of will slip it in here and there. Uh, and, and so the president is, is, has fought on that rather heroically. Um, Israel, and you know, we as Christians care a lot about the sovereignty of the nation of Israel, um, and I believe they've been mistreated by the world community over the last decade. And uh, without, without the archaeological discoveries in Israel over the last couple of decades, I believe that the world would have less Christians. I really do. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the more archaeological discoveries we do in Israel, the more affirmation and the more corroboration of the Bible mm-hmm. um, is able to ha- happen. And I think that's super important because there's never been one archaeological discovery in Israel that contradicts the Bible, only corroborates. Right. So w- if the Palestinians and the basically the Arabs had their way, the city of David would be destroyed. And a lot of these incredible archaeological discoveries, whether it be, you know, some just recently in the last couple months, there was a coin that was found of some obscure um, aid to the king that no one ever was able to find in Second Kings, if he existed or not. They found this coin with his name imprinted on it yeah. uh, from the exact same time period, corroboration of the text, right? right? Right. So the president has stood by Israel, allowed Israel to recognize Jerusalem as the true capital of Israel, uh, recognized the Golan Heights, and has challenged the Palestinian Authority um, so anyway, that's, those are just a couple examples. And not to mention, I also make the moral argument for a vibrant, functioning free market economy. I, and you see mm-hmm. this right now as kind of people are going on unemployment. Um, mm-hmm. Suicide uh, is up tremendously in the last two weeks, right. horribly. And, um, you know, just, just in, in a way that honestly uh, is stunning. And so the wow. National Suicide Hotline has had a 300% increase in wow. just the last two days. Wow. Um, so wow. we don't talk as Christians enough about how, when you have a vibrant economy, when you have people having jobs and wages that are going up, and not all the jobs are perfect, not everyone's super happy always, but you do eliminate some of these externalities, all of a sudden you've had this disruption, right? You've had this uh, kind of stop in place, and it kind of makes you thankful for what you had before that. Sure. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like, wow, I never knew I would 
you know, I never thought how thankful I was to be able to go out to a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, Charlie, yeah. let me let me challenge you on on uh, what would you say to always Trumpers? You know, the, the people that um, don't see any faults in Trump, uh, and and kind of almost make like those who are trying to make wise decisions um, in voting for Trump kind of a little silly. What do you say to always always Trumpers? Well, I have to take it by case by case basis. I, I will say this. I personally have a relationship with the first family, a friendship with them, and a I've I've spent more time uh, with with the president uh, than most. And so I don't I don't dive into public criticism of him. I, I just think that that's not the way you treat friends, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. not the way you treat people that are good to you. Um, mm. And I try to remain at a high degree of loyalty there. I, I'll say where I disagree on policy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm always happy to have those conversations. But if someone is ever you know, irrationally dedicated to anything. I don't think that's healthy, especially in the earthly world. Um, and I, we have to continue to remember our vertical relationship before any sort of horizontal relationship, you know, yeah. here on earth. Yeah. So. so the subtitle of the book is the only ideas that will win the future. Um, and obviously we are in a very crazy moment. Like Whew. what, what, what happens in the next two months, three months, six months? Uh, nobody yeah. really knows. Can't find toilet paper. But, <laughs> but, but you know, what does, um, what does the future of America look like after Trump? And, and how are these ideas, do you think, influencing and why are they going to win the future? Are you going to have a job? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, look, p- part of the recalibration, I think, for the positive that President Trump has delivered is that there were huge parts of the American population that were deindustrialized or disenfranchised by the ruling class and the elites of the kingdom of Washington, D.C. There was a huge Ooh. disconnect. Um, basically, the wealth, power, and money of our country has continually been sent to the counties around Washington, D.C. Those are the wealthiest yep. counties in yep. America. Yep. They're, they're, building, they're building Gucci shops and massive, mausole, you know, huge schools. I mean, yep. you, would say, you would think the recession never hit them. Yeah. Uh, because, and they don't actually, they don't actually produce, um, things that the heartland of the country used to produce like cars or steel. Right. They just produce rules, regulations and insider crony lobbyist deals that reward people's geographic proximity to power. Yeah. The president challenged this. And I think for the better, because I think that people have a lot of anxiety and unease towards, um, the size, scope and power of our federal government and its inefficiency and its complexities. Um, and, and the president said, you know, I'm going to, bring back U.S. manufacturing, and he was mocked for that. Yeah. Well, since his, since his inauguration, we have seen massive increases in repatriation of U.S. manufacturing. He challenged China for the better. Yeah. China is yeah. the number one enemy of Christianity in the world. Ooh. We don't talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, they, they, they are a godless state. They're the, they're the largest atheist country in the world. You try to go, you go try to go into Tiananmen Square, go into Beijing and share the gospel, they'll lock you up. Right. They will. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. It, it, President Trump, for different reasons, but similar ones, was skeptical of China, and if not harsh about their unfavorable trade deals and their international ambitions, and has slowed the rise of this godless, anti-Western, anti-American regime that mm. uh, basically exploits its citizenry. So that, that's all positive. And so basically the ideas that will win the future is about also just challenging the status quo, is, is, not, is not essentially having this groupthink globalism that, that essentially existed for multi-decades that somehow America just needs to find a seat at the table amongst other nations. And of course, I, I believe in cooperation, but I also do believe that when America is, is, is leading, when America is exceptional, even above other nations, I think the world's actually a safer place. I mean, the idea of a benevolent superpower 
I believe has only existed thanks to America. Um, and with that, we've seen the world be the most prosperous, the safest it's ever been in the history of the world. So we're right in the middle of this whole coronavirus panic. And one of the things that has been easy for politicians to calculate is, well, I, I need to make my people feel safer, so I'm going to shut down things. And so they they can get um, the praise, they can get the accolades, they can get um, uh, and not getting much flack for shutting down things while not having to take responsibility for the economic downturn that they just created. Right, so the calculation and the incentives are so perverse for them to make that kind of coronavirus decision. So one of the things I actually did this to my city council here, local, and um, I, uh, our governor um, uh, here in Idaho, just we we got under a hundred cases of coronavirus here in Idaho, and he just uh, mandated a shelter in here in Idaho for all all the state of Idaho. And so nice way of saying lockdown. Yeah, basically some sort of lockdown. With yeah, I mean it's just nuts. Um, and so I think politicians during this, if, if you're going to mandate this lockdown, then you should not take a salary, you should not draw taxes, and you should create, you should eliminate non-essential government services. Have have skin in the game. Have, put some skin in the game. And and so, um, what what is your thoughts about like the coronavirus shutdown, everything that's going on? Yeah, and look, I, I agree with that, and, and I have to dash in a second. I want to continue this conversation with you guys at a different time, but okay. look, I I think that you have to have a multivariant analysis where. If you just have a single input and the only thing you care about is the total, per, you know, the total and absolute stop of the virus spread at all costs, well, I mean, that, that's silly. Then no one should ever leave their home if it's the influenza. No one should drive. Right. I mean, you have to, you have to, you always have to measure liberty with safety, always. And I would make the argument, and the president has recognized this, especially in the last couple of days publicly, where he said we can't have the cure be worse than the disease. Yep. Right. I mean, if, if you're going to, you have 3.7 million people that just filed for unemployment yep. today. Yeah, uh, one of the highest. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, yep. it's one of the highest in the history of the country. Yep. And so that's going to go down, and obviously, but that's a shock to the, mm-hmm. to the, to the core of our country. Mm-hmm. And so I, I make the argument that doesn't come without any cost. So I think what, was, what needs to be contributed to the national conversation is, yeah, we're going to lose 3,000 people to suicide a week, when this economy shut down, right. that's going to happen. Yep. So that's going to be more people lost to suicide than the virus. Are we okay with that? Yeah. Mm. Um, right. And so, again, there's no perfect answer to that. Some people would say, yeah, it's a necessary cost that our hospital system is going to run. Okay, maybe, but mm. I don't think that discussion's happening enough. Mm. Um, for example, they're, they're saying in Cincinnati, Ohio, the police are not going to respond to domestic battery um, right. phone calls yeah. on must- no, seriously, I, I'll send you the article. Yeah. So wow. we're, we're basically giving license to criminals yeah. because the police don't have coronavirus. That's stupid. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's wrong. Right. And so uh, criminals don't take time off just because there's a virus. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they capitalize so, on it. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. And so, yeah, I, I'm of the camp that beginning on day 15, the president asked 15 days, America has been heroic in, in step, stepping up for that. Parts of the country that are not heavily affected, like Idaho that you just mentioned, should be given the green light to slowly be able to go back to work. Yeah. So you think we're going to be back in church on Easter Sunday? Oh. I pray. I yeah. hope so. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Charlie, I feel like we're just getting started, man. We, we got to have you back on the show again so we can talk a little more, maybe a little longer. Great. I appreciate it, guys. God bless you. Hey, man, Thank God bless you, you too. Right, peace out, Charlie. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Ooh, we were just getting started. Just getting started. Oh, yeah. We need more. All right. We'll talk to him again. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Hey, thank you guys for hanging out with us.